One, two, three. Hallelujah! Clap for the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Let's all be seated in the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for blessing us, Lord, blessing us to be here this morning. We thank you for giving us yet another opportunity to sit at your feet and to receive fresh rhema from heaven. I bind the work of the devil right now in the name of Jesus, that there be no distractions, but that your word would go forth and accomplish that which you've sent it to. We thank you, Lord, and we surrender to the power of the Holy Ghost now in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap for the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Look at your name and say, get your Bible out. Okay. All right. Yeah, you're going to need the Bible. Now, now what separates a, just a believer, any, just any old believer, from an empowered believer? An empowered believer is one who knows the word. They know what God says. And, and they know what God says about them. And so that person is empowered. That person is ready to live a victorious life here in the earth. Amen? Amen. Praise God. All right. So um, I'm going to preach this message this morning. um, And I'm just encouraging you. I I shared with you guys last week. Hey, you know, we're going to put a focus on God. And it's not about us and what we can do. It's really always about God. You think about your life, your life here on planet Earth. Once you give that life away to Jesus, it's going to be him doing the work and not you. Now, you can experience some great things in your life, but you're going to have to be one that is willing to surrender and trust him. And you've you got to be willing to go as far as he would take you. And one of the things that we want to know and be mindful of when it comes to God is God loves people. Amen. God loves people. I'm going to preach this message. That's the title. God loves people. And so when you when you come into this agreement with God, you say, Lord, you saved me. And how many of you guys needed to be saved? Amen. Because some people maybe were born saved. Anybody born saved in here? Because I've been I've been waiting to meet those people that just had it together, just had it all worked out from the womb. Amen. Some of us been learning. Come on. How many of y'all still learn it? I mean, I mean, say, you know, God is still improving some areas in my life. Amen. Praise God. Well, he doesn't save you for yourself. He saves you so that now he can use you in the earth. And now, if you start to understand that he loves people, if God loves people, then what are you supposed to do? You should love people. Now, we may love our family. We may love our friends, but you got to love people. Like even how many of you guys know you got to love like perfect strangers. That's why we do outreach. I get to meet wonderful people. I never met them before. I don't know them. But guess what? I know God loves them. And so I love them, too. Amen. And so we have a lot of great encounters because it's just people. That's what's going on. Now, the good news, the message of Jesus is not going to be spread by you know, banners, TV commercials, all that, because do you know that they didn't have that in Jesus's day? They didn't have any uh, social media, right? They didn't have any of that. But what they had was people sharing an experience. They were sharing how their life had been touched and they were sharing that with others. And so um, let's go to John, John 3, 16, John 3, 16 and 17. 
And we know this scripture, these scriptures are very popular, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Next verse. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Might be saved. So we use the word saved. Sometimes I know when I first got saved, I didn't know, you know, that that word saved wasn't like really part of my vocabulary. Well, you you hear Christian people say, are you saved? Are you saved? Well, the unsaved world doesn't know that that vernacular. They don't know anything about that. And so some people can say they're saved, but then they don't show any fruit. They don't show any fruit of that salvation. So it's almost like nothing ever changed. Well, I want to teach you. I'm, I'm, I'm anointed to teach in a way that it can help you grab and understand. And so if you chose to believe in Jesus, that means you gave your heart to Jesus. That means you're saved. Now, what's the first thing you think about when you hear the word saved? Anybody just blurt it out. First thing. Rescued. Redemption. Delivered. See, man, you guys. You guys are advanced. Amen. A lot of times people, the the thing they say, the first thing that comes to mind when they talk about saved or salvation is heaven. That's what most people think about. I'm saved. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm going to heaven. Well, here's my question. When are you going? You going tomorrow? Oh, I'm, I'm saved. Okay, well, are you going to heaven tomorrow? See, because if that was all it was about, you'd be gone. So the fact is, is now you're still here on planet Earth. You still got to live. You still got to wake up in the morning and go to work or do what you got to do, even though you're saved. Now, you got to understand there's greater meaning behind this word saved. This word saved comes from the Greek word sozo, which means to deliver. Some of y'all said that to deliver, to protect, to make whole, to heal to preserve. These are all things that come with that one word salvation, but sometimes it's not taught. And so we go to church and we say, we're going to say the sinner's prayer. And we say, okay, why do you want to say the sinner's prayer? Because I don't want to go to hell. Okay, man, you better say this so you can be, you know, saved. Well, but you got to learn more about what this means. So if he came so that if I believe in him, I can be saved. Well, what does that mean, Jesus? Come on, y'all, just say it with me. Say, what does that mean, Jesus? Man, you know, Jesus is friendly. Did you guys know that? You could talk to him. You don't have to, to treat him like he's some religious person. He's there to help you on a personal level. So what does that word saved mean? Well, I shared all those things. And so it's like, wait, you didn't just come for me to go to heaven. Jesus didn't <clears throat> come for me to be down here practicing religion. How many of y'all have been guilty of that? Now, some of you say, oh, no, pastor, I'm, I'm non-denominational. I'm, you know, you could practice religion even if you call yourself non-denominational. You know what I mean? You got some habits. You got some things. You got some uh, ways you approach God. You got some little stuff. Some of y'all right now, if you're, uh, if things aren't just so the way you like to do it all the time, you get uncomfortable. You say, oh, no. I have to do my devotion at 5 a.m. If, if I don't do it at 5 a.m., it's just not as powerful. Well, God might change it. He might have you doing it another time. Amen. Well, religious people are regimented. Religious people can't handle 
spontaneity. They can't handle a then suddenly change. Come on, somebody. Religious people can't handle talking to a sinner. Oh, y'all don't want me to get into this today. Religious people have trouble reaching out to someone who's not living up to their standard. But Jesus didn't come so that we would practice religion. And all of a sudden grade ourselves. Well, I'm doing better than you because after all, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't this. And what about the power? Come on, because there's a lot of people that don't smoke and don't drink, but they still got bondage. Come on, somebody. They might do things in front of you that look like they're representing Jesus, but behind closed doors. How many of y'all have seen some things change when doors are closed? All of a sudden, people start manifesting. Amen. But you're saved. Well, it doesn't mean that just because you got upset, just because you got in an argument, just because you did something, that doesn't mean you're not saved. That doesn't mean you're going to hell. It just means you need to learn some things. And so when you start to understand what he came to do, he didn't come once again so that we can learn to practice religion. Or here's another thing, and I'm, I'm going to clear up this stuff. Now, here's the thing about what happens at this church. I'm going to preach what the Holy Ghost tells me to preach. You might not like it, amen, but I never got in this for you to like me. I got in this to teach the truth, amen. And if you take and listen to what I teach you, I guarantee, I'm talking about I, I'll take it to the bank that your life will improve. That your life will get better. I guarantee it because I'm not basing it on me. I'm basing it on the power of this book. Nobody can take the power of this book and apply it to their lives and still be left the same. It's impossible. So that's why I preach it. Regardless of what people want to hear. I preach the truth. Amen. And so. He did not come for you to practice religion, but he also did not come. So that you would have a suffering existence on planet Earth. Some people think that it is their lot in life to struggle, go through this, go through that. And then they are just thinking that that's what God has for them. But that's not in this Bible. God nowhere in his book says that he wants you to struggle with this life. And so we've got to understand the real meaning of salvation. So we don't have to have a suffering existence on planet earth and then one day be rescued to heaven. My question to people is, how can you believe that one day you're going to be in this glorious heaven, but you can't even believe God to help you get through a headache? Oh, come on. I'm I'm just one day I'm going to go to this glorious heaven that I've never seen, but I'm, you know what? My money's tight right now and I'm I'm under a lot of stress and I'm panicking. You can't even believe God for provision on planet Earth, but you believe him for streets of gold. The truth is people don't really have to deal with whether or not their belief is true because heaven is a place that nobody wants to go to anytime soon. I've never met a person that says, I'm I'm ready to go to heaven tonight. Most people, if I say you... You want to go to heaven tonight? They said, well, uh, well, I, uh, I don't know if I want to go tonight. <laughs> Why? Because you got to die to get there. Amen. 
<clears throat> so we could say we believe God for this, all this glorious stuff in heaven. But what you really want to do is say, what can I believe him for now? Amen. Oh, because I want God to know that I have real faith. And so real faith is when you have opposition, but instead of panicking, you pray. Come on. Instead of throwing in the towel, you had a, we had a great testimony from Brother Matt, Sister Melinda, uh, that things changed. Well, it didn't look good, but how I many know just because it starts out not looking good, that doesn't mean that's the way it's going to stay. Now it's going to be up to what you do and what you decide. Amen. And so if I'm understanding, why did Jesus come? So why did he come so that I could be saved? You know, people quote this John 3:16 so much and, but they say, you know, for God so loved the world and all, but that's all they know. But then they don't experience the rest of what God has to offer. And so Jesus came, he came so that we can experience, you guys ready for me to, Offend your religion. Jesus came so that we could experience kingdom living here on planet Earth. Now, people have trouble dealing with that. They have trouble understanding that Jesus came for me to have victory. Come on. I mean, I don't have to be depressed because Jesus lives. Come on. I don't have to be oppressed because Jesus lives. Come on, somebody. I don't have to live my life without anything. Because Jesus lives. And where does he live? I taught this to my kids when they were little. We say, where's Jesus? They say, in the sky. I say, where else? And they say, in my heart. Well, if he's in your heart, then now everything he brings is with you. But you have to be one that is willing to receive it. And so he came so that we can experience kingdom living here on planet Earth. Now, did I read verse 17 of that or did I skip it? I read it. Okay, so he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So that's what we don't condemn people either. Right. I mean, no, you you might know some people that are not at your level. Can I get amen right there? Some of y'all like, I know a lot of people, Pastor, because I'm on a high level because I, you know, there's a lot of people. Ain't nobody ain't too many people on my level. But you know what? God, when Jesus walked the earth, he met a lot of people that were not on his level. But what did he do? He ate with them. Come on, helped them. But you know what he did? He never left them the same. You ought to be one that's never leaving people the same. I might have found you one way, but I'm not going to leave you the same. And just by them meeting you, they ought to be inspired to go higher in God. Amen? Amen. And so... If we understand he came so that we could experience kingdom living here on planet Earth, let's go to Matthew. Because some people say, well, uh, well, I know Jesus saves me from my sins, but you got to understand he came so that you can experience kingdom living here on planet Earth. So go to Matthew six and we'll go nine and ten. King James. So this is how he tells his disciples to pray after this manner. Therefore, pray. So if he tells you to pray this way. We know that's pretty important, right? After this manner, therefore pray, Our Father which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Y'all see that? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what does that mean? On earth as it is in heaven. Let's say that together. 
on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, say it again. On earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so what this means is Jesus is teaching people the importance of praying the way it is in heaven is the way we want it on the earth. Come on, y'all. The way, come on. How many know you ought to expect if there's peace flowing like a river in heaven, then I need to have peace flowing like a river in my house. All right, come on. If there is provision flowing effortlessly in heaven, I ought to have, y'all, see? Now, now, now you guys are going to get uncomfortable. Now, I ought to expect provision flowing freely in my house. Because, I mean, Paul made it clear in Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So you're not supposed to be in this earth doing without, uh, struggling with everything, not experiencing victory when he says, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so now we're talking about being saved. That's all I'm talking about. And so how many of y'all in here saved? Yeah, I mean, if your hand don't go up, we'll pray right now. We'll get you, we'll get you saved right now. Amen. But now you got to, okay, well, what is that? See, I'm going to heaven. All right, let, let's, let's, I like, I like doing this stuff because God doesn't want us to be in these religious boxes. You guys know how Jesus dealt with religion? You guys understand that he rebuked Pharisees and Sadducees and he was not friends to them? So he never went with their religious way because for them, they didn't want miracles to come down from heaven. They said, oh no, you... You can't heal anybody on the Sabbath. Well, how I many know to Jesus, the Sabbath didn't mean anything. He said, if, if they need to be healed, I'm the healer. So I'm going to heal them on any day. Amen. And so he was not in <clears throat> this religious box. <clears throat> so <clears throat> if we understand, we don't want to be in a religious box either. I, I want to experience what God wants me to experience. I want to live a life that is not only pleasing to him, but I want to live in a way that he came to, uh, the life that he came for me to receive. I want to receive that myself and I want to live in this way. So if I'm expecting things to be in the earth as they are in heaven, then I got to open my mind. I got to open my mind and say, oh, well, well, things ought to be getting better for me. You guys okay with that? So why do we talk? Why do, we, why do I have you guys repeat stuff? Why do we say things like amen? You know they used to do that? In our churches today, everybody gets quiet. Everybody said, well, I don't want to say anything. But in the Bible, they responded. And they would say amen. They would say things like that. Amen means so be it, or I'm in agreement. And so there was a, a call and response in the early church. Well, you believe things that you say. And that's why I like you to repeat things. Because when you leave here, you won't just say what well, Pastor Troy said. No, because I had you say it too. And so now you said something and you confess something. Amen. And so I want you to look at your neighbor. Or, yeah, look at your neighbor because sometimes you got to look at people. Look at your neighbor and say, things are getting better for me. 
Man, do you expect that? Amen. Come on, do you expect, I mean, the Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Come on, look at your name and say, my joy is coming, I feel it. I mean, that's got to be the expectation, man. Jesus is saying, this is how you pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's got to be my expectation. And so you ought to be able to, with confidence, expect, okay, well, God, show me how I'm supposed to expect something better. And God will start to reveal it to you. And you'll be willing to go on that journey that God takes you. And now I want you to understand this because here's, here's the thing what religion does. Religion keeps you caught up in your mistakes. It keeps you caught up in missing the mark. Oh, I'm not this, I'm not that. But that's not what Jesus was teaching. Jesus was meeting people where they were. But then he said, come on, let me show you how to walk a new way. Well, if you're so caught up on I don't want to make a mistake, then now you're not focusing on the blessings that could be in store for you. Amen. And so I want you to understand this word once again, salvation or sal- so um, the uh, uh, saved that 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 Greek word um, sozo. So that's that whole complete life that God has come to give us. Now, God loves us too much to allow sin to completely ruin our earthly experience. Hmm, think about that. He loves us too much to allow sin to ruin our earthly experience. Some people have sinned and they've done some bad things and they have trouble stepping into anything better because they don't feel worthy. Come on. Can I get amen right there? You made some mistakes and yes, you, you're so thankful that God forgave you. But you know what? You don't feel like you can, you know, walk in there. Or come on, somebody and just sit down at the big table with all the anointed people. Right. Come on. You, you feel you don't feel that you're worthy. How many of y'all ever felt some guilt associated with your sin? Now, we adults, there's no kids in here. So, you know, you need to be honest. And don't, you know. So, so I'm going to ask you again, because some of y'all wasn't paying attention. I'm just saying it's a little too early to be thinking about lunch. I mean, it's only 11:16. So how many of you have had some guilt associated with your sin? Come on, you actually felt it. You felt some guilt in there. And and that's okay for you to feel that, but it's not okay for you to keep that. It's it's okay for you to feel it, but it's not okay for you to keep it. Now what you need to do, like I've told you all these years, if you mess up, fess up, and then get blessed up. Don't stay down in no pit because you done messed up. Man, so many people messed up. But guess what? If you confess your sins before God, he's faithful to forgive you. And then you'll get up and walk again. And you'll walk in a greater level of victory. Amen. And so he loves us too much. So people have allowed their sin to ruin their earthly experience. That's why religion is flourishing. Because man can never reach God's standard. Amen? Amen. But you got to understand, I'm not reaching the standard on my own. I, as a matter of fact, I'm not even here. See? 
that messes with people. I'm not even here. I gave my life away. So where's, where's Troy? Oh, he died. You didn't get invited to that funeral. Yeah, because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So if I say the old man is gone, how am I going to allow guilt to come upon me and the me that did that wrong is dead? So now I got to recognize the new me. So the new me is saved. Well, if the new me is saved, that means the new me has expectations. I'm expecting to prosper because I'm brand new. And I'm not living in the shadows of myself. Now, if people don't receive this, then what do they do? They keep apologizing. Come on, how many of y'all, how many of you guys, this, we all adults in here, how many of y'all been repenting over the same stuff over and over again? Okay, go ahead, be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you answers. See, I'm, I'm helping you. God don't want you repenting. You know what repent means? Okay, repent is I'm walking this direction. Then I repent. Oh, I'm walking this direction. Well, what was happening over there is not happening over here. And so if I'm over here and then I keep repenting, well, I'm just doing a 360. And so I'm in circles and I can't make any advancements. But when I repent and I truly repent with a pure heart, I'm walking a new way. And so the things that would have got a hold of me, you know, the Bible says that God removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And so can you ever connect the east and the west? And so that's how far it is. But people continue to do the same thing because they have not identified with the new man. And so they're going to heaven. See, they're going to heaven. But they just keep messing up all the time down here in the planet Earth. And then what do they do? They keep on confessing. What am I? Just a sinner. I'm just an old sinner. Well, if you just say that, that's all you're going to do. You, you, listen, if you change professions, let's say you used to be a doctor, then you become a lawyer. But you keep calling yourself a doctor. You're probably not going to do good in practicing law because you haven't identified with that new profession. Amen. Come on, somebody. I used to be, you know, you were a roofer and now you're a plumber. But then you keep telling everybody you're a roofer. Well, guess what? You're not going to be doing good in your new because you don't identify. So now you get saved. Come on. Now you saved, but you keep calling yourself a sinner. Oh, see. Now, I know where people are in this, where they struggle. Oh, well, well, we're not perfect. You got to be careful with that, brother. You know, that's you're exalting yourself. No, I already told you I died. You didn't you didn't come to the funeral, but I died. This ain't got nothing to do with me. This is all God. And the reason people keep calling themselves sinners and identifying with mistakes is because they don't want to release it to God. For me, I said, God, if you're going to do anything, you're going to have to do it because, you know, I'll mess it all up. So I can't help you with this. Too many people today are helping, helping God. You helping God by trying to keep peace. You helping God by trying to act right. You helping God. And that's why you keep on messing up. Because you trying to help God. God don't need no help. God needs people that are willing to die. He, Jesus said it. He made it clear. If anybody will come after me, let him deny himself and pick up his cross daily. 
and follow me. So what do people do? They say, oh, well, you know, I, yeah, I still got this problem with my temper. That's because you're still living. Ah, that's because you're still living and you're still trying to let go. I'm just trying. I'm just trying. And, and Jesus said, why don't you quit trying to just die? And let me live through you. Now, how many of you guys think he could do pretty good? If I let Jesus live through me, what kind of life do you think I might have? You think I'm going to have problems pleasing the Father? I mean, if Jesus is doing it, if it's me, I'm going to be repenting all the time. That's why religion thrives, right? That's why they have things like a confession box. Y'all in here with me? A confession box, people need to go there because they need to feel something. They need to tell somebody. I mean, you know, it's a shame when the the mafia can go up in there and, and do some confession and do a cross and then go out and kill 10 people. I said, man, what's going on? Well, when you surrender wholeheartedly, you'll change and you will find yourself. But it's going to be what you identify with. So if you identify with failure, then what's at the forefront of your mind? This is the way we are trained as people. Whatever we focus on the most is what we will accomplish. And so if I focus on failure, then I will accomplish failure. But if I focus on thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, show me how it works in your kingdom. Show me what I should be expecting in terms of what my life is going to be like here on planet Earth. And so, once again, well, Pastor, you know, the sin and, and okay, I get that. I know that. I know how people mess up. I'm just saying don't give yourself an excuse to keep messing up. How many of y'all raised kids? How many of y'all gave them kids some whoopings? Amen. You say. And then what would we tell them? Don't do that again. Come on, how many of you, know, you you gave them a little something to remember that by, huh? You said, oh, they messed up and they got they got a little they got some, you know what I'm saying? They they were able to associate enough to not do that again. I said, oh no, see, I'm not going to do that again. Well, we need to be able to associate. With sin enough to where we say, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do something else. Now, if you didn't let your kids, what if your kids just kept on doing the same thing? You kept on whooping them and they kept saying, well, you know, I mean, uh, like we like we do. I'm just a sinner. Well, if your kid just said, well, I'm, you know, I'm just a bad kid. It is what it is. That's just what I do. Oh, oh, really? That's what you do. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, I'm about to beat you. <laughs> hey, wait. And that's just what I do. <laughs> right? Come on. Proverbs says, beat the child. He won't die. You put that rod on him, you save them from hell. But if we wouldn't accept that as parents, somebody just coming up saying that again. Why do we think God's supposed to accept us repenting over the same stuff? I did it again, Lord. 
did it again. Somehow we need to learn. Amen. Amen. And whom the Lord loves, he chastises. So God, and you know, the Bible says he that is without chastisement is a bastard. And that's like an unfathered child, just an unparented child. Well, he will correct you, but you receive that correction and move on. So we're not going to make excuses for sin. It doesn't mean we'll never make a mistake, but we ain't stand there because we got a new way to live. That's all I'm preaching in here today. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about John 316. That's what that is all about. This is not about us getting a quick ticket to heaven and then going on and living the same way. This is about a transformed life. This is about us living a new way because we've been uh, exposed to something greater. Amen. And so now go to Romans, Romans 6:23. And a lot of people use this. And so now I'm going to I'm going to show you the connection in this. I'm going to show you the connection to this. For the wages of sin is death. So that's what sin pays, right? The wages of sin is death. Look at your name say but. Okay. Ooh, I just love that. Because that but cancels out what preceded it. And so for the wages of sin is death. Oh, that's what you're going to get. But, ooh, now there's some joy coming. Come on. That after that but comes hope. After that but comes, whoa, I got a chance. But the gift of God. Now, if you have to pay for it, you ever had anybody invite you over for dinner and tell you that we got, we making this big dinner? But then they hit you up for some funds. So I'm going to need you to pitch in because we're making this for you. Wait, you making that for me? But I got to pay for it? That ain't no gift. That, that ain't a gift, man. You see what I'm saying? It's, 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 a gift is something that is freely given. And you just freely receive it. But if a gift is presented as a gift, but then let's say somebody buys you something on credit. But then they send you the bill. So I bought this for you for Christmas, but you're going to have to pay uh, $39.95 once a month. That is not a gift. Right? And so... The wages of sin is death. We have no problem with sin. So we know we already, okay, wage is what you deserve to be paid. How many of y'all would say, you know, I know what I was deserving. I, I, come on. How many of you have sinned enough to where you say, yeah, I should, my payment, I know that's what I deserved. But, so now I got hope. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so now here it is. I'm just teaching you the Bible. That's all I'm doing. And you can take this and go to God and say, hey, well, what is what was pastor up there talking about? And I guarantee he'll tell you he'll break it all down to you. Eternal life. Once again, now, why do I mention Greek and Hebrew? Old Testament was Hebrew. New Testament was Greek. That's just the language that they spoke. So you got to in order to really know what the words mean, sometimes you got to go back and look at it. And understand, you know, in its original language to get more detailed understanding of it. So eternal life, that word life is referring to the Greek word zoe. And what is zoe? Zoe is 
which means life in an absolute sense. Amen. Life in an absolute sense. And so um, if I look at this life in an absolute sense, it also means life as God has it. Now, when you think about how God has life, what what is that? How you guys think you think God gets depressed? You think he gets sad? I mean, I'm just saying anybody up in here, how how's God living? If he says Zoe, that's life the way God has. So what does that mean? See, these are things that you need to understand because they're in the Bible and and it's life the way God has it. Now, think about mankind. You are created. Huh? Let me let me let me mess up some more theories. Evolution is not real. Huh? Come on. I always said if if we came from monkeys, how come they're still monkeys? Does that mean some of them didn't get promoted? I mean, they just got you. I got to turn into a, a, a human, but you had to stay a monkey. You see what I'm saying? We don't come from no monkeys. Amen. Then you go to the history museums and yet they'll show the people and they, they start out and they all hunch back and come on. I mean, have you seen one of them people today? You were like, what is that? And they said, that's your ancestor. That ain't my ancestor. I did not come from that. Huh? Some people believe in that. You know, if, 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 if they had hair everywhere, you know what I mean? Imagine that. you seen somebody today. They just showed up. you seen a lady show up in a dress. And she got hair. I'm talking about not just she didn't shave. I'm talking about Bigfoot hair. She got hair all over her legs like that. And somebody said, that's your cousin. That ain't my cousin. I am not related to her. So go to Genesis. Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. This is all in the Bible. This is King James. This is a basic, man. This is just the simple truth. We don't have to complicate it. We just got to receive it. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So what does that mean? God is not made after monkeys or any other species. God is made after God. I mean, man is made after God. God is just God. But man is not made after monkeys or anything like that man is made after god and so and god said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them what what does that mean do you guys think that that word still applies to us today i mean after all the new testament came you know man messed up and all this stuff so but do you think god changed his mind on dominion and, and what he originally had in store for us. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So what does it mean? I'm made in the image of God and after his likeness. That means you are actually created to act like God. Can you guys accept that? You remember them little braces years ago that used to say, what would Jesus do? People would wear those braces. What would Jesus do? But they're wearing them, but they're not doing what Jesus would do. Because you know what Jesus would not be doing? Is every time flu season or whatever comes around, Jesus wouldn't be talking about, I'm sick. I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. Jesus wouldn't say that. Why are we saying that? 
Hmm? There's a lot of things he would not do. But now we are supposed to act like him. Now, you got to just sometimes take it back so you can learn. God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, uh, and over the cattle and over everything that creeps upon the earth. So what that means is everything, anything in planet earth, you are put here to have dominion. That is authority. That is rulership over it. It is not supposed to be over your head. You're supposed to be over it. Because there's no other creature that's been created in the image of God. You know, you can have pets and enjoy your pets and care for them and all that. But don't ever get it twisted. Don't be talking about my my animals are taking care of me. They don't know how to take care of you. You know your animals, they'll let you starve. I'm telling you, come on. If you got some animals, man, you're the one feeding them. I got a dog at home. My dog has never come and, and asked me what I want to eat. She ain't never one time brought me anything. I, see, I said, this is really a one-sided relationship. It seems like it's just me doing everything. You're not doing nothing. And then she'll come up and want me to pet her. So I got to feed her, pet her, clean up after her. And that's okay, but as long as I understand, it's a dog. Not created in the image of God. Enjoy the dog, but don't worship the dog. Because some people, uh, I know I've been offending people a lot with this stuff, but some people, man, they, man, that dog got more stuff than people. (laughs) Some people got these rooms and they got this beautiful stuff and the dog is living lavish. That's okay, but don't be having everybody else struggling and the dog is just in prosperity. <laughs> the whole house, is, you know, the house is eating top ramen, but the dog is flourishing. <laughs> you can't do that. Amen. Here's one thing I don't agree with. I'm telling you right now. I think when people drive cars, they're supposed to drive. I'm just saying, I think they should be paying attention to the road. To me, it seems like if you can get a ticket for being on your cell phone, you surely ought to get a ticket for letting a dog be on your lap while you driving. Amen. I'm just saying, you got that dog on your lap and you trying to drive a car. Now they want to give you a ticket because you're on the cell phone, but they don't say nothing about that dog just jumping back and forth and you're supposed to be paying attention to the road. Yeah, I know you guys don't do that over here. Hopefully not. But you watch out for those people. Watch out for those people. Now you see somebody... And you see them, you drive up next to them, and they got the dog jumping around. Either drive fast to get away from them, or take a left turn. Because they cannot be paying attention. Amen? And so I'm just saying all these things. So we've been created to, to put in, the, we've been put in the earth to have dominion. Now, um, so God authorized us to do this. So what does that mean? I'm on planet earth. So how many of you guys still on planet earth? I just have to say these things, because... Some people, you know, say, wow, I went to so-and-so. Really? They used to have, people used to go on trips back in the day. Y'all remember that? Way back, some of you older people, LSD and all that. People go, go on a long trip and never left your house. People doing that today. They still doing it. Still taking trips. 
Well, we are on planet Earth, so we're supposed to be walking in dominion on this earth. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do. But my goal for you is for you to walk in such victory to where the enemy doesn't even want to mess with you. Come on, somebody. He don't even want to mess with you because he knows every time he comes barking your way, you bringing that word against him. You're standing against him. You're walking in power because God never gave him dominion. He gave it to you. He gave you dominion. Now, sin caused us to fall. And we get that. But Jesus causes us to rise. Amen. Come on. See, you can't keep identifying with the failure of Adam and not acknowledging the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus has come so that you and I can be lifted up. You don't have to be bound to generational curses. It doesn't matter what they did all these years gone by. What matters is what are you doing right now? What are you doing with Jesus? What's happening in your life? And Jesus will cause you to rise. Amen. The devil's working through, like I said, generational curses. What is that? That means all you got to do is study bloodlines. There will be people, and, and maybe you have encountered this. You look back and you find drug addiction in each generation. You find, um, you know, all types of infidelity, divorce, all this type of stuff, abuse, right? You, you ever met, uh, well, I don't know if how you, you guys, have, what you know about your family, but it's like, oh, man. What? Grandpapa did that. Daddy did that. Now the kids doing that. And it's just stuff that people have a disposition to lean towards. You ever wonder how a kid could be drawn to drugs and they have something in them? Well, that's the enemy working through those generations. So he just uses the same stuff. But when you encounter the blood, Come on. When you encounter the blood of Jesus, the the things that used to stick on generations gone by don't stick on you. Amen. You have such a freedom. You can walk in a new way. You don't have to be bound up. You don't have to be. I'm telling you, that blood is powerful and it gives you a new identity. So sin caused you to fall. But when I keep saying I'm just a filthy sinner, I keep identifying with Adam's mess up. But when I say I'm a new creature in Christ, now I'm identifying with what Jesus did. And so I have chosen that I'm going to go up. Amen. How many of y'all going to go up with me? Amen. I'm going up. I'm not going to stay in the low places of life. I'm going to step up and I'm not going to give the devil any power over me. Because he cannot have power over you unless you give it to him. Because Genesis says, I give man dominion. And the only way the devil will win against you is if you say, go ahead and beat me. But if you say, oh, no. You know what you see when you came over here. You saw the blood. You saw the blood of Jesus. And you already know. See, when when you start talking to the devil like that. Then now he wants to get away from you and go to Galatians, Galatians three, Galatians three, 13 and 14. So Galatians 3, 13 and 14. So what we see here is we have uh, the power to receive redemption. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And so what redeem means, means purchased back. So I've been purchased back to my original state. That's my garden status. That's what I was in Genesis chapter one. Well, because of Jesus, I got purchased back to that. And so now we got dominion. Look at your name and say you got your power back. 
Come on, say that again. Look and say, you got your power back. Man, you believe this stuff? I mean, what if we really believe this stuff? I, man, I got my power back. So I don't have to let nothing get on me. Y'all know I, I was taking radical stances, man. I, I, I became very unpopular, but during COVID and all that, I said, man, they know that ain't getting on me. You know, I, I was taking some stances. I was speaking boldly and people were like, oh, are you sure? See, if you're not sure, then anything can happen. But if you're sure, then you can prevail. And that's where the problem is. We just got to become sure about some things. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone that hangs on the tree. That's the cross. Next verse. The reason he did it, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's us, non-Jews. He's did this so the blessing uh, might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. And so I can receive the blessing. So what does this mean? What Jesus came to give, I can receive it if I want to. Or I don't have to. In John 10, 10, we know the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Some people say, well, I'm having to deal with this because God's teaching me a lesson. Man, what if we did that in school? What if in school, when your kids went to school, instead of a teacher teaching them, what if they just threw rocks at your kids for them to learn? Man, I had to hit him upside the head with a rock for him to learn. So we think that that's what God has to do to teach us a lesson. If God wants to teach me something, can't God just talk to me? Any of you guys, can't God just talk to me and just say, I want you to do this. And so instead of us just taking ownership, because what it is, is God tells us and we say no. Oh, yeah, see. So God tells us to do something and we say no. And then we go through a hard, rough period of life. And then what do we do? Well, God's teaching me a lesson. No, he, he wasn't, he didn't teach you no lesson. He just told you not to do that and you did it anyway. And that's why you're dealing with what you're dealing with. Huh? But if I realize that the thief, which is the devil, he's come that I, that, um, he's come to steal, kill and destroy. That's what he's coming. So we can't be blaming God for all this stuff that the devil is doing because that's not what he came for. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Well, more abundantly, that means overflow. God wants you to be living more uh, than just barely making it. And so the abundant life experience is something that we can all take advantage of. Now, Jesus came to give and the enemy came to take. You guys okay with that? You know that there's still a devil because some churches, they don't teach on the devil. Y'all, did you know that? There's some churches, they don't even believe in the devil. Isn't that awesome that, uh, it's not awesome, but wouldn't I, you got to give the devil credit on that plan. I'm just saying, he didn't trick some people to believe he don't exist. So if they believe he don't exist, they're not going to do nothing about him. Y'all in here with me. If, if he has tricked people the thing he don't exist. So people don't preach about the devil no more. They don't preach about sin. What they doing? All they doing is preaching on grace. Well, grace gives you access to a new way. Grace gives you access to power so that you don't have to be defeated. But it don't give you a license to sin. 
And you got some preachers today, you know, just uh, committing adultery, doing all this type of stuff. And everybody just still letting them preach. So, oh, yeah, we just love, uh, you know, we just, I mean, it's like, really? Oh, we just love Pastor so-and-so. And I know this is his third wife, but I think he really loves this one. I think he really loves this one this time. No fruit, no evidence that Jesus is there. But yet people follow after man because man won't make them deal with themselves. But when you follow after God, he going to make you deal with you. Man will give you an excuse to stay the same and live the same. But God's going to bring you to the place of confrontation. God's going to bring you to the place where you say, he's going to say, now, are you ready to bow to me? And some people say, well, I've been saved for 30 years. But you never bowed in all 30 years. Amen. Because when you bow, now you can rise up. Now you can live a new way. Now you'll see God's transforming power come upon uh, come upon you. And so you can live that abundant life. The abundant life experience requires, here's what it requires. It requires faith and obedience. So some people say I have faith, but then do you have obedience? Because that's that's all that's the way God works. Amen. See it takes faith to get to heaven, but it takes obedience to live in victory. Because he says in uh, Isaiah 119, if they are willing and obedient, they shall eat the good of the land. Just like you would reward your kids, right? You tell your kids, you know, you want to bless them. Well, guess what they got to do? They got to obey. They got to bring home some good grades. Amen. Come on. I mean, no, you can't be bringing God all those D's and F's and expecting him to bless your life. Well, I don't know why things are working. They're just not working out. I know why. You hard-headed, man. You ain't acting right. Does God still require this of us, pastor? Yes. If you ever, let me tell you this, if you ever start getting blessed and you're being disobedient, you better recognize that blessing ain't coming from God. You better recognize that's a setup right there. Because some people, they done cheated on God. They didn't, They know they're not doing what God tells them to do. And all of a sudden, good things, doors are still open. You say, oh, I must be doing all right. Uh-huh. The devil's like, yep, come on in here. Come on in here. And I'm guaranteeing you it's a setup. And when the devil decides, you're going to fall. But when you do it God's way, you say, oh, no. I'm going to bow before my master. He starts blessing you. Ain't nothing the devil can do about it. There are no, there's no one that can take things away from you. And so you got to realize this, this abundant life experience requires faith and obedience. Now, I'm going to close in a minute, but I just want to tell you, cause I, I want to challenge you. My challenge to you is to let God prune you. Let God mature you. Uh, he's had to do a lot of that with me in my life, but I had to be honest. I had to be honest with God and say, well, Lord, I really don't have it together like I thought. Because some people don't want to come to that place of truth within themselves where they say, ooh, Lord, you're not pleased with that, huh? 
And that's a great place to be in your life where you hear God tell you he's not pleased with this or that. He's not going to condemn you or throw you away. He's going to give you a chance to walk in victory. But you cannot be in this place where you're just acting as though you got everything together when the Holy Spirit is telling you you don't. Now, here's the way it works in the kingdom. And, and the devil is just taking advantage of people. But the way the kingdom works, it's, it's basically if then, if then, if then. It's always all through the Bible. If, if you do this, you get this. If you, and it's if then. And so if you obey God, you'll be blessed. If you don't, you're going to be punished. And that's just the way it goes all through the whole Bible. And so a lot of the struggles that people go through are related to a lack of faith. And also a lack of obedience. So you got to have faith to where you believe God. Even if things don't look right, you say, I'm going to obey God. I'm not going to change what I'm saying. A lot of people are, uh, you know, changing their confession. They're speaking all the wrong things. Well, you've got to align yourself with God in such a way where I'm just going to obey God. I'm going to expect what God has to offer and then I will flourish. Now, the enemy deceives people in the stepping away from the blessings of God. Through their words. That's one way. Now, I just challenge you. Do a word audit on yourself. Do a word audit. Just, you know, just say one day, I'm just going to just pay attention to the words that I'm speaking. Now, we know in Matthew chapter 12, he says, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Y'all believe me? So some of you think your words don't matter? So what if you just keep speaking against the kingdom? What if you keep speaking against the things of God? What do you think God's just going to give it to you anyway? What if you keep speaking things that God doesn't want? You guys don't do that, right? You only speak life? Yeah. Anybody in here, you ever mess up? Sometimes you don't speak life. I'm just saying, I'm just wondering. if it, Okay, we got one honest person. Everybody else lying up in here today. But that's, that's okay, that's okay. I'm going to ask God to forgive you. I'm, I'm going to pray for you on that. But you mess up, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes, you know, you, you, you don't always, you know, speak the right thing. You might speak something out of frustration. You might say, oh, man, I'm tired of this, or I've had it up to here. Or you might, that's okay, but you don't want to be unaware of it. You want to be aware of it to where you say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, Lord. And then that's how he corrects you. See, he doesn't just, you know, throw you away because you slipped up. But honesty is the first step to victory. Honesty is the first step to freedom. And you have to be honest with God. And so he the enemy deceives people into walking away from the blessings of God through their words, through their thoughts. How many of you guys had some bad thoughts? This is we being honest in church. Come on. You know, you had some bad thoughts. Well, what do you do? You cast them down. And God will give you power to cast them down. The enemy will shoot fiery darts at you, make you think something terrible is going to happen or you're going to do this. No, no. Shoot it down. Shoot it down. Nope. I'm, I'm redeemed. I got the word. God's helping me. And you just stand against these things. Amen. When you stand against it, then now you have a chance to prevail. Amen? Because the next thing people do is they walk away from God in their actions. And so I've given you three things to watch out for. Your words, your thoughts, and your actions. And so sometimes your actions pull you away from the blessings of God. You start doing stuff that you're not supposed to do. 
Well, acknowledge it. Say, no, I'm staying right there in the blessing because I know that good things are coming to me and my life is going to flourish. Let's close with James 4, 7. James 4, 7. So this word submit, it means bow to the authority of another. Amen. Submit means bow to the authority of another. Well, no one has higher authority than God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Now, the devil will tempt you, but what do you do? Resist. I've taught you guys for a long time that uh, temptation is not sin. It's the yielding to the temptation that makes it sin. And so when he tempts you, you resist him. He tempts you to do something that's not of God. You say, no, 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 I'm going to obey Jesus. I'm, I'm going to obey God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And what's he going to do if you, if you resist him? And he will flee from you. He'll run. He'll leave you alone. Next verse. Um, and then he says here, um, draw nigh to God. How many of y'all want to be closer to God? Well, you know what? You got to take the first step. You got to be the one that says, I'm going to spend more time with God. I'm going to spend more time praying. I'm going to get closer to God. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so this is what God wants you to do. Now, how do I, how do I start out on this journey? And, and some of you guys, you should be living this. This is not just uh, something you're just doing for the first time. If it is, it's never too late to start. But acknowledge that you have to submit yourself to God, put yourself at his feet, let his power prevail in your life. Now watch God change you. Watch God change your words. Watch God change your expectations. And then you know what's going to happen is your self-image is going to change. You're going to start to see yourself in a different way. Now, I'm going to have us confess something boldly before we leave, and it might make you uncomfortable. So when you say, I'm a sinner, that means you're proclaiming something that you habitually do. Amen? But now, when I say I'm a saint, then I'm identifying with what God has done. Amen? And so, he has made us into who we are today. And so when you say things, you don't have to be afraid of saying this because it's him doing it, right? And now, this might, you're going to be uncomfortable because you say, Pastor, but I know I still sin. But that's not your practice. That's not your way of living. Listen, you might make a mistake. People get in, uh, they might get in an accident in a car, but they don't say that I'm a reckless driver. They just had something happen. Now, you want to identify with what you do most, right? And so I want you to say this. Just confess it and, and be bold with it. Say, I'm no longer a sinner, but I'm a saint because of Jesus. Can you handle that? Oh, man, but Pastor, you know we're going to mess up on the way home. Well, see, you already meditating the mess up. You're not even, you're meditating messing up. And that's at the forefront of your mind. Let's say it one more time, we're going to close out. I am no longer a sinner. But I'm a saint because of Jesus. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap on that right there. Amen. Praise God. Let's close in prayer.
Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the power of your truth. We thank you for freedom and victory, which belongs to us because of you. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I thank you, Lord, that old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new and fresh. You have a fresh outlook on life. Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching this, and you don't know Jesus as Lord. We want to invite you into this family. It's the greatest family to be a part of. But you got to freely give yourself over to it. You can just raise your hand, wave at, the, at home if you're watching, just wave it on TV. God will see you. Church, let's repeat this prayer so that anyone who hears this message will know how to receive Jesus as Lord. Repeat after me. Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sins. I commit my life into your hands. This day, I am saved. Do with me as you please and fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap for the Lord right there. Amen.